I had to shake him on my last case, big O don't play. Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of the Musky Hunts Podcast. I'm one of your, we're going to say three hosts this evening, Ryan Reed. We might have a fourth host. Might pick him up on a street corner later. Mm-hmm. Maybe, we'll see how that goes. So we are back for another episode and we have a guest tonight. So super excited about tonight. Um, just kind of looking forward to the discussion a real guest too, not one of our like friends. <laughs> I know this is like we're this is like big time right now. All right, so we have on the phone currently we have Mr. Tom Venata. Yellow, yellow from yellow. the lair. <laughs> All right, we also have on the call tonight Mr. Nick Fiesler. Good evening. Good evening, sir. Happy How's November. It? Oh yeah, we're getting there. We are getting there. Have you guys been out on the water at all? Last weekend, I went out for Lakers. Okay. Tom, you haven't been fishing at all, huh? No, because my friends won't go steelhead fishing with me. Well, what friends? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Looking for friends. Now, I went trap fishing a few times. I was beating on some stalkies, <laughs> some truck trout. <laughs> you posting in, like, the, the single ads, like, Craigslist. Mm, Looking for a friend. Looking for fishing. steelhead friend, mm-hmm. young man looking to get slimy. Oh God! <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna move on here. We have we have what I would consider a phenomenal guest for this evening. And honestly, if anybody's been keeping track in the musky world the last couple of years, I don't know. Is it a fair? Can I? I don't know. You know. I, maybe I should have asked. Oh, absolutely! You would absolutely know him. But can I call him a young gun? Is that something I can call him? It's kind yeah. of smirking. Not okay, so we have, we have an extremely Accurate talented adjectives. we have an extremely talented musky fisherman on the line. He's uh, one of the young guys, I would say, up and coming. Man, catching some giant fish, and he's running a guide service. So out of West Virginia. So that guest is Mister Chase Gibson. What's up, buddy? How you guys doing? What's up, Chase? And previous hey. record holder. You cut him cut him off there. I know I did, but I want to, I want to talk about this too at some point. So, Hey man, thanks for coming on tonight. Appreciate it. For sure. I don't know about young gun. That was a, the old name. I think I've got a year older since I was called that last. So I don't think you can call me that anymore. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, a little bit more experienced. It's past, past the expiration date already. (laughs) He's caught probably, probably caught more fish and definitely bigger fish than than some of us for sure he's probably caught more <laughs> over 50 than like i can't Ryan even has ever caught yeah like probably more fish than anyway <laughs> we're not going to stroke your ego too much tonight yeah leave that alone <laughs> <laughs> so the plan for tonight is just to kind of let's just talk musky fishing man i want to i want to get into some of the some of your background chase and i want to talk about you know west virginia and and some of the the stuff that we've seen like you know, that just absolute beautiful fish. You know, what was that? Was that last year? Was that 2020? The, uh, the, old, the old state record. Yeah, uh, that was April last year. Okay, so yeah, still pretty fresh. And that was yeah. a legit one. That didn't even have any sinkers or water or anything in it. So right. it real Everybody in the record. boat had their well, license and everything. 
know of. It didn't have any sinkers or anything in it. But. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Chase, where I, I want to ask, like, start start this thing off here. So where, so when did you start musky fishing? Like, give us a little background about you growing up. You know how you got into the sport. Yeah. Um, I was around ten years old. I always fished, no matter what. Every day I could, I go fishing. I hated musky fishing because my dad wanted to get into it. He didn't know anything about it. Obviously, I didn't. Um, so we'd go out, and it's one of those type of things. It's not really a great sport for a kid uh, that doesn't have a very good attention span. So it was one of those things where dad would take me out, and he would try to catch a muskie, and I kind of would, but although I didn't know what to do. Um, so I hated it because we never seen anything. And, dad wasn't uh, catching them either to like give you any hope as a young kid. No, dad, dad still can't catch him. So he got, <laughs> he got, <laughs> um, I got trash talking when I can, but he, uh, I don't know. I was taking a nap one day. We had an old canoe floating down the river that we heard there was muskies in and I was taking a nap and he woke me up and he said, Chase, you better get up and start casting. There's a good hole down here. He said, I'm pretty sure there's muskies out. I said, all right. And now prior to this, we had probably five or six trips and never caught one. Right. Well, I get up and I start throwing a, uh, actually a rattle trap from Tony's lodge. My dad booked a trip with Tony a long time ago and, uh, he brought home some rattle traps and I was throwing a rattle trap on a bass rod and I caught my first one. It was like a 35, 36 incher probably. And I have been absolutely hooked since obviously. Um, I don't know. I just took off with it. It, it became more so that I was begging him to go fishing rather than him dragging me fishing. So that's it awesome. turned out well, that was uh like i said i was 10 years old so that's been 11 years ish somewhere in there when you said you guys were just fishing for anything what were you guys like bass fishermen or catfish or just like anything like take the worms and i was little so i was farm pond fishing my family's Mm -hmm. got both my sides of my family have a big farm and they all have ponds on them so i was a farm pond fisherman my grandma would take me down the river and we'd try to catch whatever it's just Mm -hmm. whatever was like type of thing yep that's pretty awesome that gave you a little hope catching that first one and that that's where you caught the bug right from then or did you kind of because we've talked to a few people that kind of caught their first muskie and kind of got uninterested then in later later time picked it back up or, or were you just pedal to the metal right from there like no it's been full bore ever since yeah ever since that first one. i still remember it like yesterday um there's pictures of me on facebook of my dad's and pro- you can probably find it on mine of me sitting there and like literally almost the tears like adrenaline shaking so bad like i never experienced anything like that before in my life when i was that little and it just took me over i, I can't help it now so <laughs> that's awesome and now how, how roughly how old was that uh, i think around 10 10 or 11 10 or 11 and first musky was on a rattle trap yeah old tony grant's rattle trap uh, like like a rattle, rattle bait or like the OG rattle trap, like the bass rattle trap. No, no Tony's version. Okay. Yeah, Tony's version. Okay. Yeah, got it hanging right here in my garage. Actually, I think Lungeon makes them now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Same yeah. one Lungeon makes, but it was the old Tony Grant one. Yeah. That's awesome. See, that's gets... still called. I think they still have Tony's name tied to them. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure. I think the Tony Grant Rattler, maybe. Yeah, something like that. <clears throat> Okay, so you're you're 11 years old. You catch your first muskie. You start back. You just begging your dad to take you fishing now. So what? How, like a couple years pass. You're catching fish. Like is it? Tell tell a little bit of the story there to to how you got to the point where you knew you wanted to guide. Okay. Um, 
So we started fishing. I catch that first one. Um, probably two years after that, uh, dad books a trip with me. Um, well, not with me, obviously taking me to cave run and we go down there and I had Instagram at the time. And at that time I could see, uh, the guide's pictures and I kept seeing Joey White's picture. Well, I, I would text him and this was, uh, we're obviously we're friends now, but back then I didn't know him. And, uh, I, I texted him like, Hey, I'd like to book a trip with you. And he said, well, just tell Tony to ask for me. Right. Well, so we go down there and we fished with Jason Ritchie the first day. Um, it was during the spawn, as you know, that's pretty tough. So I can't remember what we did. We didn't catch one. Um, but Jason was a phenomenal dude, phenomenal guy. I still talk to him here and there every year. Um, then the next day I went with Joey and uh, I ended up catching one with Joey. And we get to talking and I become pretty good buddies with Joey. Uh, that's who I always ask questions off of, like your pretty standard questions. And uh, he ended up coming up fishing with us in our river. Um, we had a great trip. And then ever since me and him's always been friends. Well, after taking that guide trip, it just kind of opened up my eyes. Like, holy crap, this is what I want to do. I want to go fishing every day. I want to do what he does. <laughs> yeah, I want to do what these guys do. This this is so awesome. And back then, I didn't know anything about a lake. I probably didn't even know what Stonewall was um, or any of these lakes. And it just became a thing that was always in the back of my head throughout school and high school. Like, what am I going to do? You know, we all ask ourselves that question when we're at that age. And I always wanted to do it. I just didn't think it was really possible, honestly. Um, so it was kind of my plan C. And my plan A and plan B didn't work out like I wanted it to. So I took a shot in the dark and started guiding. It, it worked out awesome. I mean, I, I'm super thankful for as busy as I am with it as of right now. Um, but it, it, it really, uh, it changed a lot. I mean, it changed my whole game of fishing. I mean, it went from just fishing every chance I can um, and enjoying the fish that I catch to really – uh, enjoying watching people catch fish and that's definitely something that has always kind of been in me but it's really came out now since i started guiding I mean, it makes me so happy seeing people catch fish it seems uh, like that's kind of like the evolution as you grow in fishing like yeah. you get you get you get really good at catching them and then eventually you're like well i want to do something better than that and then that's yeah. sharing you know, it with others what's wild about this though is chase like you're still really young yeah, still, dude. like yeah. that progression happened a lot quicker for you you know, like wanting to catch these fish and then all of a sudden like you're getting more enjoyment out of like your, you know, the clients and the, and the guys you're fishing with. Dude, that's a, I mean, that's a really quick transition. I, at least I feel like that's a really quick transition. Uh, um, especially to where I'm at today, uh, where I'm at today and where I'm going to be at in, in a year from now um, is going to be crazy. But just what blows my mind is last year was my first year ever guiding. I started, I started guiding in March of last year and I was probably doing maybe two or three uh, days a week. And uh, I loved it to right off the bat. Well, I'll tell a little story on myself. We, I started last year in March. Uh, we had extremely high muddy water for the first time ever since I started fishing Stonewall. And that definitely put a damper on, uh, my fish catching right so it was very tough i had probably five trips and i maybe caught two fish in my first five trips and i'll be honest right then and there i was like ready to quit i was like i am not cut out for this if i can <laughs> out there and catch these fish i said I, I just cannot i cannot guide if i can't uh perform like i should 
And uh, I literally almost quit guiding in the first week. And then I started getting phone calls after the first week of the guys that didn't catch fish uh, calling me wanting to go again. And huh. I didn't understand it, but then I started, they, I asked one of them, uh, he's still a great client. I just had him the other day. Um, I asked him, I'm like, well, why do you want to come again? I mean, I didn't catch any fish. He said, dude, I've never seen such a young kid work as hard as you did all day for me to catch a fish. He said, you can't help the fish are biting. He said, I, I, I believe in you. I can tell that you know what you're doing. It's not your fault, right? Well, I'm just thinking, oh, this guy's just being nice, right? Well, I mean, every time he fishes with me, he's the same exact way, just super mellow, doesn't care if he can fish or not. And uh, he just opened up my eyes to make it uh, – opened up my eyes to the point that it really doesn't matter that you need to catch a fish every time. Not everyone is expecting to catch a fish every time. Although, I I, to, this day, to this day, I still get extremely mad when I don't catch a fish for my client. <laughs> But clients may be happy, but down under, I'm like, what did I do wrong? What's going on? Why are mm-hmm. you, you know, thousand questions on the drive home? Well, I mean, it's, it seems like we talk to guides sometimes and they have these horror stories of getting started. And that, I mean, other than that, that doesn't seem like it really happened for you, did it? Or, I mean, was it smooth sailing or? No, I had a, I had a great start. I yeah. got very, um, Sounds like it. yeah, I, I was lucky in the fact too, that I'm really the only one, um, that's doing it full time here. Uh, ever since I started guiding, there's a couple other dudes that popped up and started guiding and whatnot. But as far as a full-time guide on Stonewall, which is the main place that I got, I got on a few other places, but I mainly stick on Stonewall. Uh, I was probably the first one. Well, I was the first one. And, um, that helped me a lot because of all the old retired guys in West Virginia and all the guys wanting to get into musky fishing in West Virginia all looked toward me. So I got a lot of good clients from that. Um, that had never been on guide trips before. And I still get them every day. I get guys from West Virginia that's never been on guide trips. And um, so that's really cool. I got lucky with that. Um, so then I'm guiding though. And like I said, I was doing two, three, maybe four days a week. Um, and then I catch the state record uh, last year. That helps my, a little bit. Oh, my phone rang for months. It, <laughs> It was dumb, and I booked every single day I could, and I was guiding seven days a week for two months straight, and then I'd have a day off, and I'd sleep for 12 hours, and I am <laughs> and I still do that, and back then, which was last year, I used to tell my, after I went through all that, I told myself, okay, you have got to give yourself a day off here and there, right? Well, I did, and then what do I do when I get a day off? I go fishing, so I decided to. <laughs> yeah, dude. So as of right now, I guide seven days a week, every day I can, and I love every minute of it, to be honest. So I feel like we skipped something there. So we were talking about you drifting in the boat, throwing the rattle trap, and then now, now I'm pretty sure you're not in that same boat anymore, right? So when did when did this new boat come into the picture? Uh, I've had my fair share of boats, actually. Um, so when did all these happen? Was that immediately after catching that muskie? You were like, I need a boat, and I need it now, or... No, I mean, back then I was so young, but dad, uh, our first real boat was a 17 and a half foot bass tracker. And he got that probably when I was 13, I would say maybe 14. We caught a lot of fish out of that old thing. And, um, I would get, before I got my driver's license, um, probably once, maybe two times a week, I had an amazing mother. So once or two times a week. She would drive me to the lake, and I had a 12-foot John boat. And she would drive me to the lake, and I'd put the John boat in, and I'd go fishing. Two nights a week at least, sometimes three. 
And I did that for probably the entire month of May. And then once I got my license, I would steal the boat from dad's garage and I'd go fishing in it all the time. And it ended up being, uh, staying at my house, whether he liked it or not. <laughs> and, uh, so then I got a job, I got a, a job and started getting some income coming in. So I saved up and I ended up buying a jet boat. I bought a little 16 foot jet boat and I had that thing for, oh, I don't know, two years, maybe. Now, was that job fishing related? Because you seem like the type of kid that would have been like trying to weasel into a tackle shop, like a total fish no. junkie. Like, no, no. I actually, uh, I sold boots. I was at work, so I know everything about boots. I'm a great. <laughs> That's dude. That I, you know, you know, a good pair of boots. Like, there's nothing mm-hmm. like a good pair of boots. <laughs> there's nothing like it. And I, I know all about them back then. So, um, I did that all through high school, and I got the jet boat, fished out of it. And then when I decided, like, hey, I need to get a better boat to guide it. I can't guide out of a 16-foot jet boat. So I saved up my money and ended up buying a 17-foot Fisher, uh, just an aluminum boat. And that's what I started guiding in. And I guided in it. I had it for probably a year. And then I guided from March to probably, well, March to the end of the season uh, until the water got hot. Uh, And I had it. And then last year, I ended up going to Minnesota, which is another whole big topic. Um, went to Minnesota, stayed with Brad Hoppy of Muskie Bay and Tackle. And there's rangers everywhere up there. Like in West Virginia, I can probably count on my hand how many rangers, big Muskie rangers I've seen in my life here that have West Virginia tags. Well, you go to Minnesota, every time you look down the road, there's a, there's a big ranger sitting there, right? So I got tempted a lot. And... Uh, we were looking one night online and Brad's like, here's a boat you need. And there's a Ranger 620 tiller on there. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that thing's awesome. Like I want to go look at it. And I never thought I never even dreamed I'd have a Ranger. Right. Well, we go and look at it. I'm looking at it. I'm like, Holy crap, dude, I want this thing bad. <laughs> so, um, I ended up getting it. And that's what and I'm What saying. age were you at this time. Do you know? That was last year. That was okay. uh, 20. You were 20. 20. Yeah. 20. Um, so I bought it and then I came home and sold the white boat and I still have the jet boat. I need to sell it eventually, but I kind of want to keep it. So, you know, but I have the, I have the Ranger 620 tiller now and I'll probably have this thing and be buried in it when I die. So do you That's- think that you may be the youngest, uh, guy to buy a Ranger? Do you know anyone younger than 20 that's bought a Ranger? I don't know. I don't. Dude, I I think how old's Magic get... Mikey? My, my, Magic Mikey's older than twenty, right? 20? Mike, yeah, yeah. Mike's like Mike's like 21, 22, 23, Ooh, something okay. like that, right? He's, he's maybe definitely he's... old enough to drink in the bars at Pima Tuning. I know that fake ID. Allegedly. I know that. No, he's definitely old <laughs> enough to drink. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna give Chase the belt on this one. Yeah, I think he takes Getting the belt. The youngest to buy a ranger. Youngest to buy a ranger. Now and what? What uh what about the tiller is why or why do you why do you prefer the tiller over a side console or tiller tiller life is the only life. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so, uh, just I, wait uh, you'll get you'll get old and then want to want a steering wheel. No, I, I love the giant waves hitting me in the face in the cold mornings. That's really- <laughs> <laughs> um no, that's it's just a game changer for me. Like that that old Fisher of mine when I would troll, which I didn't do very often, but I always knew if I need if I guided, I needed to learn how to troll. So I'd always troll 
Um, and Stonewall is a reservoir. I'm sure you guys know that, but it's very uh, river-like. So it's got tons of points, uh, tons of structure, stumps, giant standing timber, everything. So to really be uh, good at trolling and really hitting your, uh, just say your contour line or your structure that you're trying to bang your crankbaits off of, uh, the tiller changed my life for that. Um, I never imagined that I would become that good, good at trolling, uh, until I got this boat. Like I, I probably caught, I don't know. I don't even know the number. I didn't catch very many fish trolling before. And then I got this boat and it just changed my game. Cause I can do 90 degree turns in a split second. I can turn left. I can turn right. This boat just controls just insane. And, uh, that's a big factor of it for the trolling. And then also guiding wise, it's not a giant wheel boat. Yes, it's a 20 foot boat, but it's not, they're not as big as like your normal Ranger 620. That's a wheel boat, but I have way more room than those guys do have. I have, uh, easily can fish four people out of this boat. No problem off one side. And, uh, that's, a, that's a big thing for me too. So it's not a giant boat. I can get it back in my timber patches, beat it around, not have to worry about anything. And it's tons of room for my clients to stand on. Is uh, do, what are West Virginia's rod rules? Is it like Kentucky, or you can just run as many as you want, or do they have yeah. a? Yeah, no, nah, we we can run as many as we want. We don't care about our fisheries. Man, <laughs> you hear that, Donny? <laughs> Donny's face lit up when he <laughs> said that. He's already ordering more trout. Yeah. Welcome to the party, Swinky. Be out there looking like a porcupine. On there, we got a lot of rods hanging off the back of that thing. Let's go. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I troll mainly when I'm guiding. I'll troll six. If I'm doing more open water stuff, I'll troll eight. But very rarely I troll eight. I usually just stick to six because it's easier. So you mentioned the jet boat, Jason. What what happened there? So you were you like you had the jet? You were focused on fishing rivers and creeks and stuff, and then you made a switch at some point. I'm taking it or. Uh, I always I, I never wanted to guide on the rivers, right? I mean, the okay. rivers. I've got good rivers here. I could guide on them if I wanted to. Um, not huge potential for big fish in most of them. If there is, it's very slim. I mean, it's not a great chance, right? Mm -hmm. um, but we don't have really any good jet boat water here unless it's like the the water level is like a perfect uh, height. And if it's any higher than that, then it's too much to fish. And it's just not something I want to guide on. So I always, I wanted to fi figure out Stonewall, hence the reason my mom uh, used to drive me to Stonewall on the John boat every night. But uh, I always wanted to guide there. I thought that would be the best place to do it. It's the biggest lake in the state. It's got giant fish. It's got a lot of fish, uh, tons of structure. I would never get bored there. So I, I put grinded my head down on that. Um, but I keep the jet boat around because I, I started river fishing. I do a ton of river fishing. and I still get away in the wintertime when I'm not guiding and go out to the rivers and have fun. I was going to say, do you still get the itch to go back to your roots and go oh, yeah. sketchy yeah, in I the jet boat? and? Yeah, when it's colder and crap outside and I wake up and I look at my phone and the gauges are perfect, I'm hooking the jet boat up and taking off. Yep. So. That's awesome. I have it's a buddy with a jet boat and it's probably one of the more terrifying experiences I've had in my life, doing like 40 miles an hour through two inches of water. Like, oh. like are you sure you know where you're going, dude? <laughs> yeah, I got, uh, I just got a G3. I actually have two jet boats now, too. I left that one out, but I uh... <laughs> forgot one. <laughs> There's <laughs> so many boats, you just forget about them. Like that's, that's, that's wild. I have uh, I have a 16 foot G3 <clears throat> G3 with a 30 horsepower on it. 
that boat runs extremely skinny. I don't know the inches and I don't care to say, cause I don't know, but it runs so, it runs uh, so shallow that there's probably fingerprints in my steering wheel where I've been dripping on the steering wheel so hard. <laughs> um, that one runs really skinny, but I can only fish about two people in it and light gear or I won't get on plane. Um, so I actually bought a 17 foot, uh, grizzly tracker grizzly with a 60, 40 on it. I can plane off with three people, no problem in that boat, but it doesn't run quite as skinny as that G3 does. Um, the only reason I bought the 17 footer is just in case I wanted to guide on the rivers or I had a guy want to fish a river. Um, but I've yet to do that and I probably never will do that. So I need to sell one or maybe both jet boats. I want to get to that point where I buy a boat just in case. I'm going to yeah. do so. I'm going to buy a boat just in case I go trout fishing here, musky fishing, just in case. See, this is a, this is like Chase. This is like one of those things that uh, we talk about growing up there, right? Like your parents are like, at least my dad told me, he's like, you know what? You need to buy all these toys when you're young. Cause at some point <laughs> you ain't going to be able to do that. Like you get married, dude, it, uh, unless, you know, maybe I shouldn't say that. I, I, there's a percentage of us though, that we get married and things like that shut down. I'm just that saying. brings up a good a good point here. Is there a Mrs. Gibson's Guide service or a potential Mrs. Gibson's Guide, you know? Or is, no. is there you well, go. No, when you're a full-time guide and all you talk about is fish, it's not uh you don't have very many chances of anything like that. So <laughs> <laughs> not not very many serious things going on, no. High, high percentages of fish, low percentages of ladies, huh? Yes. <laughs> not meeting many girls at Stonewall at the launch ramp, I guess. You I've met them at the resort, a couple of them. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. They do have a, yeah, I forget that, that they have a resort there. Yeah, the resort's pretty sweet. I think I was actually at Stonewall on a day that you were there because I was with a buddy Tanner and we stopped and talked to you. And that was the same day we hit one of these stumps you're talking about and I fell in. I threw myself off the boat hmm. for my first that's trip to Stonewall. Yeah, that can happen. We got some. <laughs> we, uh, we got the picture there. Of just like the single croc floating in the water, floating in the stump field at Stonewall. Yeah, yeah. So that happened, but I was just gonna say you're talking all this like all these days a week and all these trips as such a young guy. Do you have do you ever feel like you might get burnt out, or have you gotten burnt out yet, or do you worry about that, or are you like nah, never happening? Mm, I think in reality we all get burnt out in some way, shape, or form. Um, when fishing's really tough. Let's say I have three days in a row that I don't get one in the bag. I might hook one or something and I don't care who you are. You're going to have those days. Right. So mm-hmm. those days get long very quickly and uh, you get frustrated very quickly, but you got to remind yourself that it's musky fishing and that you're not doing anything wrong. It's basically, so it's definitely a mind game. This entire, uh, this entire musky fishing thing is all a mind game. Whoever, whatever guy goes out there and he casts all day long and he has confidence all day long. That's the guy that catches the most fish and, and the biggest fish. And I truly believe that. So that's what I stick with. Uh, I don't think I'll ever get burnt out on fishing. No, I don't think I'll ever get burnt out on guiding. Um, I get tired of it at times. I'll be honest, but, at, then again, I get out there and I have a really good day and my client's got a huge smile on his face and I'm right back at it. Want yep. to go back. So it's a love hate relationship, but in the, in the end, it's got more pros than cons for sure. That's really cool. That's uh, I mean, this obviously takes a special person, right? Oh like, yeah. To want to wanna, like be a guide musky fishing. Yeah. We're very stupid. You're right. <laughs> a little bit crazy. Maybe. 
like in a good no, way. We're nuts. I mean, yeah. anyone- well, you don't have to be stupid to be a glutton for punishment, though, Chase. I guess not. It's just, uh, it's one of those things. It's funny though. I like when I first got into musk or guiding, I'd get new guys. It's never even musky fish before, right? And they get in my boat and they're asking me a hundred questions in thirty seconds, and I'm answering them left and right, left and right, and telling them all this information. Now, when I get a guy in the musky boat or in my boat, and they're wanting to get into musky fishing, and they ask me, all right, well, uh, we've never musky fished before. We're really thinking about getting into it. Um, we just want to learn today. And I'll say, all right, this is your last chance. Step out of the ranger and walk away. And they're like, what are you talking about? You don't want to do this. And they're like, what do you mean? Like, you do not want to get into musky fishing. And they're like, yeah, we do. I'm like, oh, trust me, you don't. And the guys, and mo- everyone obviously gets back in the boat, but I always give them that chance, just a, one one last chance to get Disclaimer. out. Yeah. yeah, you need to leave, but they never do, and they end up getting hooked. And it's pretty cool watching uh, watching guys that are um, that are new to it, and they come out with me, and then they go out and have their own success, or they bounce questions off me. I absolutely love that. That's one of the best thing, best feelings ever. And I'm sure every guide you've probably talked to has said the same thing. It is the coolest thing ever to teach someone on the water something and they take it back to the home lake and catch fish. That is the coolest thing ever for me. Just don't show them, just don't show them the cost benefit spreadsheet, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't want to know how much money I got. In this crap. <laughs> That's uh. so we can go a couple of different directions on this, but I am curious. Okay. So you've got the boats. You've got, I'm sure you've got plenty of fishing rods and stuff. What mm-hmm. does, what does the, uh, what does the lore collection that Chase Gibson have? What, what does that look like? Is the video recorded or no? We don't do the video. No, we, we don't release it. You guys see it though, right? Yeah. yeah we, we, can oh, we can see you. Well, I'll show you. There's <laughs> oh, the good Lord. And there's the wall. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. That just like keeps going there. For the viewers, my garage is a mess. And I've got baits everywhere. It looks like organized chaos, though. No, kind of looks like you know where everything is, you know? What no. uh, what no. dictates <laughs> that the party sombrero gets brought out? Is that uh, for yeah, 50s? That's for yeah. That, that's for tournaments only. I got that. I've got an afro, and I've got a big cowboy hat. <laughs> that was going to be one of my questions, the wig. Did this come from somewhere? Like, did you find this laying at a launch ramp somewhere, and you just it stuck with you? Or how did this happen? uh no um there's a little drama behind it i would say Uh, (laughs) we won't push huh we won't push too hard if it's it's nothing it with (laughs) these tournaments these figure eight tournaments i've been fishing them forever um before i was a guide obviously before i had fancy electronics and all this crap and I don't know. I get i get a lot of controversy i did I, i stay out of everything anymore so i don't I don't get it or see it as much at least or hear about it. Um, but for these tournaments, it started getting to the point where I was hearing that it's impossible to beat Chase Gibson on Chase, on Stonewall because he's got that all those electronics and all this crap. So we decided to just goof off and show everybody that we are literally going out there to have fun. It ain't like mm-hmm. we're trying to crush everybody in the playing field, right? We're just out there having fun, and that is all we do. So we started wearing wigs and stupid stuff like that just to really show everybody that we really don't care. That's cool, though. Yeah. And it, it just – the problem with the tournament stuff, tournaments are awesome. Brandon Lilly runs an amazing tournament. It's a great thing every year. I always look forward to it. But there's always those guys out there that take it way too serious, and they ruin it for everybody. And 
that was my way of not uh, being uh, super social about it, but just showing that we're still having fun over here. So that's really cool. I think that's you got to do that. Yeah. It, it, the best part about it was too, is when I bought this Ranger last year, uh, I never posted it. I didn't want anyone knowing that I had a new boat, right? I wanted to be the, a boat on Stonewall that like no one knew who I was because everyone knew my old white tin can running around the lake all over the place. So I kept the, I kept the Ranger pretty quiet and I probably still haven't even posted a picture of it. So we're out there pre-fishing for the tournament where we're wearing our wigs. We both got big black wigs on these big <laughs> Afro wigs and these guys are just blowing by us. And I mean like rubbernecking <laughs> like you would not believe like, who are these guys? These big Afros. <laughs> And it was it was awesome, and it worked perfectly because no one knew who we were until he showed up to the boat ramp, and they're all laughing, wondering, just laughing at us, like, "Why are you guys this weird?" <laughs> keep, so, keep the Minnesota registration stickers on there to really confuse. Oh, as long as I could, they were on there forever. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, you mentioned the drama, and that was kind of one of my questions was along those lines. Like, you know how musky guys can be. There's some egos, and there's some oh, like, yeah. I, I know better than this guy, and I think a lot of that deals with age too and i was wondering like as such a young guy do you ever see any of that like these old guys being like oh he's only you know he's only 21 he doesn't know what he's talking about or do they they pretty much respect you now um i would say the guys that were my muskies ink chapter and all that all those older guys that have seen me from a 10 year old kid to now and mm -hmm. fish every day that i could they all respect me for sure i really don't see that much hate from older guys honestly um it's mainly the electronic crap, the, the mm -hmm. live stuff. I get so much crap for that because I was one of the first guys to have it down here and probably in the musky industry in general. Um, and I was stupid with it at first and actually like posted about it, like how cool it was. And then everyone got it. And then I started catching all these big fish, even though I caught big fish before that. Um, and it just, it just downfalled. It was just a big spiral mess of drama and it, it's really ruined uh, a lot of things. Um, so I stay out of it now. I rarely post anything on Facebook. I'm rarely on Facebook. Uh, I stay out of it. I, I can't stand the drop. And I think musky fishing is just one of those things that we all have a little something in us that we all are uh, a little crazy, obviously, for doing it. <laughs> uh, number two, we're always trying to outdo ourselves and everyone else. No matter who you are, you always have a goal, right? Mm-hmm you got all the giant egos of the musky industry. So everyone is trying to be the best. And I think that's stupid. I mean, I, I was there, I, I was there before when I did musky zinc, I entered in every fish I caught and tried to win it every year. And then I got to realizing that this is stupid. I just need to go out there and go fishing. And ever since I've done that and stuck out of the drama and didn't care at all what anyone else is doing, I've caught way more fish and way bigger fish. And I yeah. think that'll help you with burnout too. I mean, I feel like half of the burnout with musky is the drama. You just get so sick of the bullshit and the drama and you're like, I'm done. But if you're oh, yeah. keeping yourself out of that, man, and you're just going fishing, you're good. You're See, that's perfect. the thing. It's like, we talk about this a lot. Like we're, I mean, if you want us to be honest, like we're a bunch of nobodies. We just like want to fish and have fun. And that's really like what we, that's why I think a lot of us, like us in particular, kind of why we've, I don't want to say flocked. But I mean, we all have like similar interests on the water. Like we just want to go out and have fun. And it really doesn't matter like how many fish you catch a year. It doesn't matter how yeah. big the fish oh. are. But, you know, with that said, we're recreational. When you're guiding, there's a there's another element to that where you probably have a lot more, not probably, you do have more pressure on you. And a lot of the guides have a lot more pressure on them. 
And it's more or less just to, you know, make sure you catch your client's fish. And I imagine that, you know, so like how, I mean, how do, how do you deal with that extra pressure? You know, like, is that something you deal with or are you at this point, are you just straight up, I'm going fishing today? Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I absolutely, I mean, I'm friends with a lot of the guys in the industry and I could absolutely care less how many other fish people catch. I could care less. What I, what I, uh, really strive for is to obviously make my clients happy, catch them fish. I strive to get big fish when I can. Um, and I, I just work on myself. I, I don't care what anyone's doing. I don't look behind me. I don't look around me. I look forward at all times. And I've always done that. And in the last year and a half, I've extremely done that. So I'm constantly going forward no matter what. I don't care what I, what all this drama is. I don't look at it anymore. Yeah. And um, I'm just like, so there's no, you don't feel just any like normal pressure no. to, per, you know, not, 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 a, not in lines with the drama. Like just, you know, you get a client yeah. on your boat, you're just fishing. Yeah. We go fishing. Uh, yeah. Of course I feel the, the common pressure of like, man, I really need to get this guy fish. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's but, kind of from yourself. It's like you were saying, it's more from you than from oh, the clients. It's like, like guiding most guides, uh, I'm sure feel the same way. The whole guiding thing is 95% mental. Like everything about my day in the boat with the client is mental. I'm overthinking things too much or whatever. And then I'm not, giving the guy a happy day on the water i'm, I'm not i'm staring at a screen or i'm <laughs> thinking about what am i doing wrong and i'm back there pacing in the back of the boat and this guy's like this guy's a whack job i don't ever want that so i'm always trying to get the common balance and keep myself thinking straight of i need to do this i'm gonna go try this today throw these baits here see. um and i'm definitely the type of guy and i'm sure everyone that's been in my boat has noticed this i'm very uh all over the place meaning like i want to go here and try this and i'll tell my clients that then we'll plane off and i won't be going anywhere near what i just said i was going to i'm constantly thinking and changing my mind on everything <laughs> um and it's a love hate thing but i think that's why i i do well um at times when no one else is doing well because i think completely different than most people and there is times though that that hurts me i think too much of i need to do this today and then i go out there and i do that and that's not what i should have did so there's always that pressure on you or like if you're overthinking what you're doing or whatnot, there's always that pressure no matter what. But as far as pressure from other people of who caught the bigger fish, I could care less. I've got plenty of fish in my boat. Uh, my clients that caught it know what they caught. Uh, I don't care anymore, really, honestly. That's I still post uh, I still post here and there. And in the, the wintertime, I'll probably post some fish pictures and whatnot. But I post that stuff mainly just if I need to need to film my calendar or if I have people asking like, what did you do there? I'll show them or not, whatnot, but I don't really care. I don't really feel the need to post every day or anything like that. That's good, man. That's really, yeah. I, I really like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the sport, it's insane what's happening. The, I mean, everyone knows all the drama that's going on right now and I, we don't need to get into it, but it's just insane what social media has done to the sport of fishing in general, not just musky fishing, it's everything. And it's, it's just insane. And I hate the way the direction that everything's going, but I think, uh, I think what's good is there's more guys that are opening up their eyes and realizing that it's all about the fish, not what everyone else does. And I think we'll all jump back in the end and it'll all be back to normal, but yeah, I like that. yeah, I do too. I, I want to, I want to ask about this, this, uh, West Virginia state record. 
Yeah. And I want to get into this because we all saw the pictures, you know, it was like, I mean, and, and these things like, and I think, I think it's important too for you. Cause like our perspective, you know, like the average dude that just maybe fishes like twice a month. Right. Cause that's where I'm at. Like, I know I fish maybe two days a month if I'm lucky, if I get a third day in there, I'm usually feeling pretty good about myself. You know, right. you see, you see these pictures <clears throat> and it's like one of those things where I'm, I'm probably like, I see that and I'm like, man, I, I just get pumped in general to see people like putting that caliber of a fish in a boat. Like we oh, don't yeah. see many pictures like that. Right. Like that's not a thing that happens every week. Like, so the natural response there is like for us, I don't know. Do you guys, you guys feel like super excited for the person that catches that fish. And like, it's almost something that you feel like we need to celebrate that. Right. Like just from the average angler's perspective. Yeah. Right. That one's cool too. It was like, looked like it was pristine, like not a mark on it. Just rough. like yeah. it never been caught. Yeah. So like, you know, we're, I just wanted to preface this by saying like most of us saw that picture and we're like, probably just want to like slap you five at a show just cause we're like pumped that you caught that fish and excited to see a fish like that. And I think the average angler just in general gets excited. And I know there's probably other people out there. You could say go a little bit more negative on stuff like that, but it so was cool on the outside looking in for me. Cause like I said, I'm buddies with Tanner who he lives down right. there and he's telling me all the time. He's like, so these lakes, they're on fire, you know, like Stonewall, like this area, man, they're going to break this record soon. Like it's coming like any day now. And then next thing I know, it's like Chase Gibson breaks the state record at this. I'm like, okay. So walk yeah. us, walk us through like what, what you did, like, how do how do you feel like at that point? Like, you don't have to get into specifics. Like, I don't, you know, we don't need to like, get into baits and all that stuff. Just like, what does it feel to catch that fish? Like in that moment? Um, pretty good and stuff. <laughs> that, <laughs> how, about, how about this? Were you, do you do anything differently to like target bigger fish? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just I can get it all. Um, so, uh, a fish of that caliber. I, I know what you guys are saying. I mean, I didn't even know if it was possible in West Virginia. I've always told everyone like, like all my buddies and stuff before I was guiding, I'm like, dude, these fish are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Like I remember like the first couple of years of fishing Stonewall, there was fifties caught, not very many, but there was fifties caught. And, um, and you'd raise like mid forties and stuff. We'd see a 45 inch fish. That thing was like enormous to us back then. Right. And, uh, as I started fishing Stonewall more, I started learning, uh more about big fish and i started learning more about what's actually in the lake and once i started catching them and re-catching them because a lot of the big fish i've caught at stonewall me and my clients i've caught them multiple times and um it's just crazy to see how much they're growing um they're growing very fast because we got tons of gizzard shad and they were re uh introduced like nine years ago so I always said that Stonewall, the new record would come out of Stonewall. I always said that. And that was something I truly believed in. I never knew when it was coming, but I knew it was coming soon. And uh, so I'm guiding. I start guiding. I get burnt out on going to Stonewall every day, so I run down to Burnsville. Well, Burnsville is, like, always known for having, like, an absolute giant fishing at, at all times. Like, there's always, there's always been a 52, 53-plus caught out of that lake almost every year at least one now does it does it have shad too no it's it's uh 
they're actually, you know what? I don't know if there is chattering there or not. It seems like no one knows. The DNR doesn't know. I don't think there is, and yeah. I don't know why someone wouldn't know. If it does, if there is chattering there, it's not like normal. Nothing even close. It's full of crappies. It's full of gar. It's full of uh, of suckers. I think their main forage in there is big, giant, golden red horse suckers. And it's got tons of catfish in it, flatheads, humongous flatheads, and channel cats. So it's always been like a lake that has a big forage base, which always grows big fish. Um, but it may not have as many. Um, and I really didn't know a whole lot about that lake. I knew a good bit about it, to, enough to get me by going fishing there, right? Well, we go down there. Um, I'm throwing a dying dog, and I've told this story a hundred times. And I'm throwing a dying dog. We literally just got through like 30 minutes. And uh, I threw a glide bait in the morning, and then I noticed all the crappies were like 12 feet deep. So I put on a dying dog, made like 10 casts with it, catch this fish, put it in the bag. I'm looking at it, and I had caught, I don't know, I think three or four 15 inches at this time, maybe four or five, I don't know, somewhere in there. And um, I knew it was over 50, but I didn't know it was like that big, right? I mean, who, who's, if you've never seen one that big, at least in my eyes, if I've never seen a fish that big, I'm never going to call it that big, right? You think you're just being crazy. You're like, I'm too yeah. excited. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the buddy I had with me, Frank Perupski, um, he looks in the bag. He goes, oh, my God, dude, it's a 55. And I said, you're an idiot. Why would you even say that? <laughs> How would you know what a 55 looks like? He's, he's, I'm telling you, that thing's a 55. And like, Frank, you're nuts. Well, I pick her up and I put her on a bump. She's 54 and three quarters. He takes a picture of the bump board. I put her back on the net. And at the time, our state record was 53 and a half. And um, so I knew that she was in my head, though. I thought she was 53 and three quarter. And I'm telling Frank, I'm like, dude, water temp 60 degrees. This fish is like bow ready to spawn. I said, let's not fool with this thing. I said, let's just get her back. She's old. I said, I'm not going to do the record thing for a quarter of an inch. That's dumb. And uh, he's like, she'll be fine. And he's like, and what do you mean a quarter of an inch? I said, she's only a quarter inch over the, the old state record or the state record. He's like, no, dude, she's an inch and a quarter. And I'm like, oh, whatever. Well, he, then he pulls up his phone and he's showing me the bump board pictures. And then my jaw just drops. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, dude, I have a huge fish here. Change and, of plans. Call the guy. <laughs> yeah, that's when, it, uh, that's when it hit me. And instantly we're standing on I'm standing on his shoulders with my phone up in the air trying to get reception. Right. <laughs> and I ended up getting through with a biologist that I, uh, I'm pretty good buddies with because I do a lot of stuff for him on Stonewall studies and whatnot, any information they need. Um, so I get a hold of him and I call him and he shows up in like an hour and a half, super fast. Uh, we certify her, measure her right there at the lake. Um, they certified her at 54 and a 16th. And the reason that she was uh, three quarters of an inch shorter than what she was when I measured her because when I measured her, her jaw was open. When they measured her, her jaw was closed. Okay. So that means she lost that inches there. Um, so this actual record was 54 and a 16th, and she weighed like 39 pounds or something. And uh, after that, though, I mean, I've always had a thing for big fish. I They intrigue me. They're a completely different animal compared to just your normal 45 and under fish. Um, That's just, the thing I always wonder about is like that. Yeah that the tricks to targeting those big fish you know there uh there's definitely a lot of tricks to it um i'd say in the last two years i've really honed in on it a lot and i'm not claiming to be a big fish guide at all i, I do not want that name whatsoever um i go out there and i catch fish if i run into a big one i'm happy 
but there for sure is certain techniques and certain areas that you need to be on and doing at certain times. And that will give you a really good shot of catching a big fish. And, uh, I've just kind of figured out a couple, couple different areas, a couple different times a year. And I mean, it can literally be a week, a week period that I have set up. Okay. I got to go fish this spot, uh, this week. Cause this is when that big fish was there last year. And a thing that I tell a lot of people, um, especially, in these smaller uh, southern reservoirs, really any reservoir, these big fish do the same thing every year. It's just like a big buck. I, I explain big fish hunting exactly like you would do with big buck hunting. Everyone tries to pattern them. Fish are exactly the same way. You can pattern big muskies just the same way as you can before. So I would say there's a lot of research into going into uh, all the big fish I've caught there and my clients have caught. I remember back in the day, I used to screenshot all the 50 inchers from Stonewall, obviously doing the uh, Facebook fisherman type thing, looking at the background, trying to figure out where it is. But I would have all those fish in my uh, pictures, and I would look at the, the time frames that they were caught. And almost always, they were always caught at the end of the spring, so like early summer. So right before that water gets 80, most of the big fish in the lake were getting caught then. And I never understood why. And uh, after fishing it and learning it over the six, seven, eight years, whatever it's been, um, it's because those big fish, that thermocline starts getting to, starts forming. So those fish can't be much deeper than the thermocline. So it puts them in a lot smaller area of the lake. Therefore, it's a lot easier to get a bait in front of a big fish. That's why they're getting caught during that time. Um, so that's like one thing is always do your research on the fish. And then, like I said, they do their patterns. So once I started raising big fish, I would put a mental note in my head that, okay, I raised a 50 incher here on October 4th last year on a cowgirl. And it was an eight feet of water. And this was the water temp. And it was around this moon phase. You can write down as much information as you want, but I'll tell you this, it's never almost exactly the same day other than there's one fish that I'm thinking of in the back of my head that is the exact same day. But there's always, uh, they're always in that general area, right? In that around those couple day period or in that month. So I've kind of keyed in on a lot of that and I've caught the same fish multiple times in the same area, same time of year. Um, there's just a lot, a lot to go with big fish. And then our fish are very smart to fishermen. So a big fish in our lake, a lot of good things have to line up to, for, if you don't mess up the figure eight, because our bigger fish generally eat on the figure eight, um, it's very easy to, to screw up your figure eight, basically. So you need to do super, super wide turns um, and do not slow down at all. If you slow down, that big fish is gone. And this is for my water. Minnesota was different when I played with some big ones up there. It was very different. So this is down around me. Um, speed's a huge trigger, but... Your technique is everything when it comes to this with big fish. Your technique, knowing how to work your bait perfectly and knowing what speeds to do at certain times. It's all about reading the fish. Um, but big fish are very smart, like I said. But some certain times of year, I'll say like one day a month, if I had to guess, one or two days a month, you got a shot at catching big fish. And they're very stupid during that one or two days. Anybody can catch them. They're, they're eating. They're eating everything that's swimming, right? Uh, it could only be for like an hour a day, but it's one or two days a month is is your time frame to catch big fish uh, consistently. It's very hard to put a gauge on that. I would say it's always around the new moon, though, at some point.
Dude, I'm glad you said that because I uh, so I'm not I don't I don't have as many days on the water as you chase. But like one thing I started doing a couple of years back is like every day I go out, I come home and I put that information in my logbook. You know, we got a fish, we saw a fish, whatever you yeah. feel like you feel like that. And I know it's helped me. So I know it has to work. I mean, okay. you're obviously doing it. Tom's doing it. Donnie's doing it. Nick's probably like, well, a lot of how I learned to musky fish was doing that exact same thing. And it's amazing. Like he said, it's every freaking year and and the fish are weird, man. There's something weird with them. But do you feel like that's like, I mean, we get, we got guys that here in PA and we're not that far from you, but we got guys that are just getting into the sport, like listening to stuff like this. You know, do you feel like that's maybe like a top five, like tip for a new musky fisherman? Like to make sure you're documenting that. Yeah, and I will contradict myself too, though. Um, I don't write down anything. Nothing. Never have, never will. Um, <laughs> You're like one of those creepy waiters that comes to the table in the restaurant. You just and know takes everything. Like orders, like. I, I can't remember if, uh, I can't remember anything at all in my life, but I can remember every single fish almost to the day, almost everything. I can remember <laughs> everything when it comes to that. Now, Anything else in my life, I can't remember. I can't remember where my keys are. I can't remember my wallet. It's nothing <laughs> like that. But I can remember almost every fish I've ever seen. And and it's it's crazy, especially the big fish. Um, there is one little key, and I've talked about it before. It, it's 100% it's helpful to for new guys to write down things, no doubt about it. Um, but if you're unfortunately uh, like me, where you can't help it but remember it, then you don't have to write it down. But one thing I will do is just say I catch a big fish or a client catches a big fish. What I've been doing since I've had uh, actually decent fish finders that have maps and whatnot on it, I'll take a picture of the map. So I'll have the fish picture of my client holding the fish or me holding the fish. And then I'll take a picture of my map of where I'm at. Then they're then, right next to each other in your camera roll. Yep. And then I'll have a picture of like the side imaging that's giving me my depth and my temperature. Okay. So now you have the fish picture. You have where it was, you have the water temp, the time, you have the depth, and then you could always look back and see what moon phase it was or what major and minor it was if you really want to get in depth. That's the easiest way to do it. I've probably got six or 7,000 pictures on my phone, I guarantee it. And I'd say almost every big fish on my phone in the last two years is just like that, what I just said. So what Chase is saying is his phone is the best one to find laying at the launch ramp of Stonewall. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a self-destruct mode if anyone looks at it, but my face. <laughs> that's, that's, that's clutch. That's clutch right there. But that is the best. That's the easiest way that I think to do it. Um, with today's technology, who needs a notebook, right? But yeah. You can get into it if you want. Um, majors and minors, I've never paid attention to. Um, I get a lot of guys, or a lot of clients in my boat, and a lot of guys that get in there and they're like, so what time's the major today? And I'm sure it probably makes them feel a little uneasy when I look at them and say, oh, I have no idea when I'm <laughs> fishing, but I do it every day, every day that someone gets my boat and asks me that I say, oh, I have no idea. And they just look at me like, aren't you supposed to be a musky guide? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I am, but I don't care what time the major or minor is. We'll be fishing for it. That's all you need yeah. to know. Well, that's the thing. That's what I tell everybody. Is, and then they ask me why, why don't you look at it? Well, because we're going to go out here and we're going to fish on places that have fished the entire day. And you're going to fish as hard as you can and as confident as you can, and you're going to catch a fish. If you don't do that, you're not going to catch a fish in my boat. And that's plain and simple fact of that 
confidence and attitude is the biggest thing on catching muskies and period, no matter where you're at. If you're confident that you're going to catch one, you're confident in the bait that you have on, then you're good. That's number one. Number two is making sure that you're on a spot that has fish. And you would think that's number one, but if you do that, then you're not confident in where you're on in actually catching one if you're worried about where all the fish are, right? Yeah. But it's all confidence. But if you're confident in the majors and minors, have at her. There's 100% a, a uh, connection between them eating and majors and minors, but it's not every day. Mm-hmm. I, I, the every day on the water, um, for the last two years, I've paid attention to what time I got one yesterday. And I've had week to two week periods that every day there's a bite window at 10 to 10:30 or three to three 30. And I've proved it multiple times here lately. Uh, last week was like 11 o'clock and like four o'clock. And then the last three days was any time that you were casting, you just had to run into one basically. And then yesterday we got a big one at like four 30. So I might be back on my 10 or 11 o'clock and four o'clock window i don't know i gotta figure that out but that's just how it is but it's hard to do that when you're a weekend warrior guy or you only get to fish two two days a mm-hmm. month or whatever that's very hard to do that so my best advice is go out there fish as hard as you can as long as you can and have confidence the whole time and you're gonna you're gonna put some fish in the boat pretend it's always a major yeah pretend all days exactly. the major. <laughs> well the problem the problem i have with it is is guys that really pay attention to that is they get out there and they, they think they're fishing hard and they think that they're right on it and whatnot all day long. But in reality, you're not because you keep mm-hmm. in your head. You're thinking, all right, th- I might get one, but I'm really going to get one at, at 1030. So at you're 1030, you're off leading super, up to that. Yeah. You're zoned in super confident. You're about to get bit at 1030 and more than likely you probably will. But was it because of the major or was it because you were fishing really hard with a lot of confidence? Mm-hmm. That's the biggest question. I agree completely. Yeah, that, uh, that think that helps for sure. Like, I think, uh, dude, I, I don't know, just as like a, you know, I get out two, two, three times a month, like the days where I'm not confident and I'm, I'm just not fishing good. Yeah. You know, the days where you're confident, you're fishing a lot better. You're in, you're in sync and you kind of, I don't know. Well, I remember, I remember a lot of times I'd be just say, so I'd get out, out of high school and I didn't have to work that evening or whatnot. If I got off of high school and I'm like, man, I want to go fishing tonight. I always went fishing and I usually caught a fish. Or if I got out and I'm like, I should go fishing tonight, but I'm not really wanting to, but I still go. I never caught fish. So I, I always, uh, I truly believe there's a gut feeling in, in, in humans. <laughs> I can say humans, uh, people <laughs> that, uh, there's, we're, we're all connected just like all the animals are. Animals are all connected with the moon humans are too whether we want to believe it or not i just don't think we're as in tune so whenever i have a gut feeling of wanting to go fishing i go fishing and it almost mm-hmm. pays off earth earthlings what's the, earthlings. Is that the howard wagner thing the cows are standing or the cows are sitting or yeah yeah cows are standing up you definitely want to be heading to the water mm-hmm. yeah, i always seem to get the days where the cows are laying down <laughs> ryan gets the one where the cows are on their backs dan dano and i man dano and i we pull out of his house and he's got cows right across the street and they're laying down i'm like man we're in they're running for the barn when they leave (laughs) (laughs) dawn senior program yeah so it's all about animals you you go out you go out fishing and the birds are chirping like crazy it's usually good you go out and see deer out in the fields you 
almost hit like three on the way to the lake if you're me um then it's probably going to be a good day you even look in the lake i mean around us when you're seeing bait you're seeing life it seems like that's when the muskie are chowing when you're when it's a dead zone and you're not seeing any kind of life it seems like that's when we struggle i don't know yeah a really uh a really cool thing i noticed uh i guided in ohio this year for like 20 days um and those fish i definitely had my windows so we were we were mainly casting um and most days we were getting three or four fish a day and it was not all day though it was i would hit a window for maybe 15 to 30 minutes and we'd bust two so every time i caught one i was trying to hurry up and get the baits back in the water and get my guys another one um but one thing I really noticed is that place had a lot of white bass in it. At least I think they were white bass. I don't even know. Um, but we'd be fishing a spot, and there'd be balls of shad, marking muskies laying on the bottom. They're not doing anything. And then all of a sudden, all these white bass just come up and start busting on the surface. Guy up front would set the hook and catch a fish. It happened, like, at least four or five times while I was there. It was so cool. Hmm. Just so, woke them up. Yeah. Well, the white bass are in a feeding yeah. mood. They, they feel that the need to eat a muskie's going to be the exact same what thing they get a little fomo fear missing out on a meal maybe they're like oh shit those yeah one of the questions i had for you chase i know like we hear a lot of chatter now about people in west virginia they're kind of worried about like the future and the direction like a lot of the stockings are going do you feel any of that or are you kind of pretty confident where it's at and... oh for sure um yeah. for sure we're uh we're having a hard time with stocking uh we have for a while the biggest, I mean, anyone that's been to the, our Muskie Zinc meetings or has probably talked to me about this topic knows that I am very strong-minded uh, about all this because I'm on that lake every day. I'm on a lot of our fisheries every day, and I know what's going on. Um, the biggest problem was is that we had good stocking 10 years ago. We It's a 2,800-acre lake. We were getting anywhere from 600 to 1500 i don't know the exact numbers that far back but that was great last 10 years it's been more like 500 on a good year and 100 on a bad year right um for this this is talking about stonewall these are all advanced fingerlings so most of them live so that's good but 100 fish in a 2800 acre lake that makes it a bit tough right mm -hmm. um, that's not a great number now, I will say we have 52-inch minimum, so our fish very rarely get kept and, and eaten or anything. Most of our mortality is from bass fishermen killing them, but I'd say our bigger, our bigger mortality in the last two years is summertime fishing. And the reason that is is because they had the study on the, on the lake. They had the delayed mortality study, and uh, they, adv they advertised the lake um, to every muskie fisherman in north america it seemed like and told everyone to come down and fish during the summertime which is all fine and dandy but the problem is when you get out-of-state guys fishing a lake like stonewall so out-of-state guys are coming to us stonewall is very specialized in the fact that there's huge fish on it right it's got a lot a big number of big giant 50 inches 48 inches whatever you want to call them big fish so these guys get out there and they're supposed to be fishing for the study fish meaning uh, we had 45 fish tagged one year, 45 fish tagged the next year, and they were given out a map of where these fish were. So everyone would go there and fish. And like what I did with the DNR, uh, the guy would be in my boat and he would track them and we would catch them. 
And if they didn't have a tag in them, I was shaking them off. Cause obviously you're not just only going to catch the tagged fish. So I'm shaking these fish off left and right. I was shaking off four footers that before I even caught hardly any big fish or even seen any. And yeah, it was, it was tough, but in reality, I'm thinking I'm not killing this fish. I'm not even taking the chance. Um, so they did that. And a lot of the other guys, they're thinking in their mentality, this isn't my water. This is a 50 inch. I've never caught one before. I got to get a picture of this thing. Well, guess what fish dies when in that hot water is a big fish. So low stocking. And then they advocated uh, hot water fishing. So we had tons of boats on the lake all summer long, musky fishing. And uh, whether they want to believe it or not, if they died or not, I can promise you this. No, not every one of them died, but there was a lot of fish over there floating at the end of the summer, all through the summer. And at the end of the summer, it was, it was pretty uh, horrible to see, to be honest. Um, and then the DNR didn't stock, our DNR didn't stock the two years of the study. So we lost all those fish and then they didn't even replace them. And they promised to replace them when they announced that they were having this uh, study. So that's pretty frustrating. Um, Do you know so, why that is? Is it just like a funds issue or? A... No. Uh, honestly, it's uh, the DNR. I'm not going to, obviously no names, but the, yeah. there's. The higher ups and that's making the decisions, in fact, really doesn't know, uh, doesn't know and doesn't care. He goes to his job and he doesn't care what happens, right? He's not doing the in-depth. Um, the assistants and guys like that are in-depth and they know what they need to have. Um, so when you have people like that, that's making the decisions that really don't know or think or anything, um, it's bad. So... Uh -huh. Here's a question for you. Uh, like in Pennsylvania, we have quite a few lakes that like get stocked. I think they stock like, I think it's three quarters of a fish per acre now. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of those have been getting stocked like, you know, e either every year or, and now the, the schedule is set up to be every other year. But it yeah. seems like the lakes that have gotten the more stockings, like they're almost oversaturated in fish. Mm -hmm. And those lakes just have like have like a hard size limit. Like you don't see a fish over like 42. Yeah. There's definitely an overstocking. Uh, there's a point when you're overstocking the lake, right? Yeah. Um, that's where I'm wondering if maybe that decrease in stocking is better for your big fish, but then uh, there's no uh, year classes that come up and replace them. Yeah. The, right. The, you're the, missing two year classes is, is rough. Oh, it's very rough. Um, no, that that's not their thought process. I can promise you that. Um, because we to begin, I was, I was just trying to look at the the bright no, side. No, I, <laughs> I I know. Um, but the the thing about it is, is that we weren't we're not even anywhere close to overstocked, right? Right. That's like what... I, I seen more fish in twenty days guiding in Ohio than I did in oh, three yeah. months fishing Stonewall. Now, granted, I'm seeing a lot bigger fish at Stonewall, but I'm not even seeing anywhere close to the number of fish. Right. A ball, I would say on an average day when I'm seeing, I'm actually marking a lot of fish, I'm seeing probably 25 to 35 fish a day. When I was in Ohio, I was seeing 60 to 75 a day marking on side imaging. Yeah. And that's just unbelievable for me. Um, but so our lake, like I said, it's, it's not oh, definitely not overstocked is, uh, Definitely not overstocked, but we have big fish. But it's not like uh, – I'm probably making it sound like it's really low density. It's not. There's a good density of fish in there right now, and it's a very, very uh, prime in its prime as of right now, I think. Um, we had a two-year gap. This year, 
Um, they were supposed to stock Chautauquas because they did a study and they think that uh, they think that the Chautauquas are getting bigger. Um, my exact comment back to them at the meeting was you could put a goldfish in Stonewall. If he eats shad, he's going to get 40 pounds. Right. <laughs> I don't think they like that that well, but it's, it's the fact of it. Um, we haven't had Chautauquas and we haven't had Chautauquas stocked in Stonewall since 2013. That's a fact. Um, and they so were has just, it been licking river up until no, now or no West Virginia, West, West Virginia. Virginia. Okay. Um, so that was just an excuse that they used to not stock last year because they said that the reason they didn't stock last year is because they couldn't, couldn't get Chautauquas. Um, so this year they bought 400 Chautauquas and they threw them in a pond. Um, I haven't heard back yet um, about that. I have no idea where that's going to go. More than likely, if I had to guess, to be honest with you, I would say more than half of them are dead, that they something happened to them of some sort. Um, I did hear that they are going to stock some river strain this year, and it's supposed to be a good number. I don't know the number yet, but so we it's a good thing that we are getting a good year of stocking this year, and hopefully they keep it back up. And we're only going to have two year classes gone, um, and so it really shouldn't be that big of a deal. I I don't think two years would be too awfully bad. Yeah, you'll be able to notice it, but it won't be uh, detrimental to the fishery, right? So the yeah. thing the thing though is that it, we're we're talking about future stuff here, right? Like, yeah, you know, it's it might not impact it right now today, but you, you, know, you probably got what a ten year delay before that. Those are your you know trophy well, fish that you're after. Yeah, eight eight to eight eight years at minimum probably for your forty eight. Because um, where I caught the I had a client get a 48 and a half last year and that thing was only eight years old. And to me, that's an extremely fast growing fish. So they're growing super fast in Stonewall. Yeah. Um, but Ryan, I know where you're going with that. Um, I agree. You're definitely going to notice it and yeah, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt the population as far as you don't have a thousand fish to catch that's in the lake for sure. Um, and those fish aren't ever going to get big. So we're going to have the whole, just from now to 10 years plus next year, I'm not going to have 30 inches to catch the year after that. I'm not going to have mid thirties to catch the year after that. I'm not going to have right. upper catch. So that's going <laughs> to following it up until they get big. Right? And that's like with PA, like, and I'll just speak based on what I think I know, you know, I've yeah. talked, I've talked to guys like Jared's no longer with fish and boat, but I've talked to him. I've been to the, you know, the hatcheries and stuff and we've, we've spent some time there you know, yeah. like Pennsylvania, like we've really come a long way with the stalking and sure. yeah, we see are... it, we, we see it, we see it on the water, you know, we're yeah. seeing a lot more fish. And I think, you know, like, I feel like the future in PA looks bright, but overall, like we want to see all of the States like West Virginia, Ohio, New York, like as a, as a weekend warrior, just as a, a, a nobody, like I want to see all these States like, really succeeding and having good fisheries because even though I'll, I don't fish West Virginia, I'm probably closer to West Virginia than I am most of the lakes that I fish in PA, but I don't fish West Virginia. And part of that is, you know, like I'll just speak for myself. Like I can, I can come down to Stonewall, but you know, I, I, I buy the permit in PA, right? Like we have this permit that we pay for and it's what, 12 bucks, whatever it is. And we know that goes to the stocking, you know, we do multiple permits and stuff. And I just, for myself, like, I don't feel like if I'm not contributing to 
what's going on in West Virginia, like I don't necessarily feel like I should come down there and fish. Now, I'm that's just my personal preference. Like that's 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 me. I'm not saying that that's what people should feel or think. You know, I'm just for myself. Like I would love to see West Virginia come up with some kind of program, you know, like we did with our musky permit here in PA, so that you guys have a little bit more of a voice and, and maybe it's not funding. Like you talked about it, not being funding. Maybe it's partially it's, mis mismanagement. I don't, I no, don't know. It, it's a lot of politics to, is, is on, in the all reality is what it is. It's a lot of politics. Um, it's politics and just people not caring, to be honest with you. That's exactly what it is. Um, it's not funding. We've uh, our muskies Inc chapter gives them a lot of money a year, not just for okay. muskies, everything um that happens i raised uh i want to say like three or four grand for him last year just for a raffle mm -hmm. that i had donated two days um that is one thing i've offered to donate them so during that study that they had you got 50 dollars for every fish that you caught well i think the the first summer i kept the money i didn't think anything of it because at that point the stocking was still good um the second summer I thought exactly what you're thinking. I'm thinking, well, maybe they don't have enough money. So all the money that I received from the study, so $50 a fish, it was like five or 600 bucks. I called our biologist. I'm like, hey, dude, I want to give you this five, 600 bucks. I said, I don't care where it goes. I said, I just want it to go to muskies. I said, go buy them a, a bucket of minnows and throw it in there. I don't care. And they wouldn't take it. They wouldn't take that money. Um, so that was a kind of weird thing for me. Um, the reason he didn't take it is because he said it would get dissolved into who knows what it could have been for trout or whatnot, which I understand that, but, um, that's one thing. And then at our muskies Inc meeting, not this, this year, but last year, uh, a group of us did raise our hands and ask the question, well, why can't we do a muskie stamp like PA does? I guarantee you our entire state, just like you guys do would be more than happy to pay $15, $20 a stamp just to fish for muskies in West Virginia as long as the money goes to the muskies. And they definitely would not go for it. They shut that down pretty quick. No idea why. Um, they basically just said that um, it would be too hard to – it would be too hard and take too long to put in place, which doesn't make sense to me because if it takes too long, then get it – start it now and then it'll be good here in a couple of years and you guys have tons of money um so it's just weird stuff it's it's weird there's lies there's drama it's whatnot but not all the dn i'm not saying the dnr is bad not all of them but there's a couple <laughs> things in there that's that's well, just not there's, there's I, some shit stuff going on it sounds like you guys and and dude like i've i've the last episode we did like i was i was talking about you know a young kid that got beat up for keeping a muskie in west virginia and it's like instead of beating people up online, I feel like maybe people should band together and try to find a solution. But it sounds like you guys, you know, are doing that. You're trying to push the issue oh, and trying to do what you can. Yeah. I I've done, and you can't even imagine how much I've tried to help and tried to donate, tried to raise money. Um, and everything's just getting turned down. So it's really not in our hands anymore. Um, mm -hmm. we're not going to quit fighting, but I think we are making some headway because this year, um as far as i know right now our hatcheries did really well as far as the, our west virginia strain so i know we did a really well a really good year hatching out uh west virginia strain muskies i don't know about the chautauquas yet um but 
So it's it's going to be a good stocking year for the whole state. Sounds like it. So hopefully that's all true and that's all going to be uh, real information soon. So keep doing keep doing what you're doing, man, and keep pushing because yeah. eventually something's got to give. You know, you can't. They want you to back down and slow up. You know, but if you uh, long enough, we won't for sure. I mean, we're we're all still fighting for it. It's just uh, it's just we don't know uh, what direction to go anymore, other than just get mad and angry and show them that we're mad and angry, which <laughs> seems to be working. Um, <laughs> well, there you go. Whatever works. I mean, it's good. It's good for the fishery to have someone like you and, and, and everybody down there pushing for it. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, we know, we all know it is. Like, we, we've had conversations with like Camden Glade, and, and a lot of us have talked to the biologists here. And, you know, we know that stocking is, you know, these fish balance the ecosystem. And there's no, people can say whatever they want about the smallmouth and the walleyes. And yeah, sure, some of those fish get eaten, but it's not, that's not the primary forage. I and mean, we all know that. And there are certain things that just need to be, hashed out and work through. But I, I do know one thing from my life experience, when you have an advocate and you get people behind you and it's for the right reasons and you push, you know, eventually, like Tom said, things are going to, you're going to break through and things are going to, things are going to happen. That's yeah. what, yeah. The like PA in Ohio, both, it took years and years to get that, right. like, I guess, cooperative setup going with uh it took a guy like jared i feel like almost mm -hmm. yeah right it took the right guy in the right place at yeah. the right time and and i know with uh like ohio they have the mike money minnow fund mm -hmm. and that yeah. took that took years to get you know set up in a way that they can use it nicely or whatever yeah but. yeah for sure i mean we're we're all doing good and it it helps that i'm guiding here yeah um, that definitely helps because that's opening up their eyes um, to build that I mean, rapport. Hey guys, I've got guys. I mean, I've had clients from Minnesota. I've had clients from Illinois, uh, PA, Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, North Carolina, New Jersey. I mean, all over the place coming down here to come fishing with some young kid on this lake in West Virginia. And mm -hmm. I'm telling them this and I'm like, you guys realize, I mean, there's a lot of money coming into the state because of this lake. I mean, you right. guys created in an amazing fishery. I mean, there's not a lake in the South that is pumping out 50 inches like Stonewall has in the past three years. There's not a single lake. The only one that might even come close to it is Melton Hill. And I don't hear anything about that anymore. Um, I mean, I was getting, I think I had 12 or 15 fifties out of my boat last year. And that's just in my boat. That's, I mean, there's plenty of other people that's out there catching big fish like that. So They've they've created something extraordinary for the South, and I just hope that they uh, realize what they've done, and hopefully they realize that they need to continue doing what they did to make the lake even better. And I think they are. I think they're coming around eventually. It's just taking a lot longer than what we want to want to see, but we can't all have it uh, when we want it. It's it's going to come eventually, though. I believe. Mm -hmm. How many how many days was the, were those fifteen over? What is like it? Out of, out of how many days guiding in West Virginia? 1550s oh, out of what, 150 days or something? Uh, I guided 146 days, but not all those 50s were clients fish. That was mine and just but, say a boat, yeah. boat, right? Yeah. So it's more like probably like 100 or 364 days. <laughs> 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 take. I don't want to. I don't want to turn the attention away from West Virginia, but I've been wanting to ask you about this. Like I, I, I know a lot of us here too. Like we listen to like the Backlash podcast, like Jeff and Brad and those guys, and like 
dude, yeah. I love that stuff. And I remember like an episode not that long ago, like I, I listened to your, the episode you were on with Tony Grant and Greg Thomas and then like the backlash stuff. And I know like even Jeff, like recent episodes, like Jeff and Brad talk about you, you know, you on there and fish in Minnesota. Like one of the questions I wanted to ask was about this, like mayhem's 10,000 casts, right? Like I've, I've been seeing some of the, and I'll admit to you, like I haven't watched any, any other clips and what you guys have on Facebook right now, but yeah. can you kind of like share with us? Like what, what is it like to be a part of that? What was it like to go to Minnesota and stay, stay with Brad and fish those lakes? Like that's something like guys like us dream about, you know, that's an iconic brand. I mean, that's right. a, a musky icon. That's uh, honestly, I mean, I've it's it's a super insane like I said since I what I was talking about earlier when I said I just started guiding last year and to think of where I'm at right now is still just surreal and what I mean by that is exactly what you're talking about so um last year how how it all went down I can just tell the whole thing how it all went down is last year I had a cancellation for a two-day trip it was, it was a Saturday Sunday we had a horrendous uh uh cold front come in and my client canceled on me because like 35 mile an hour winds is 50 degrees and blowing and wind just pouring and uh, this is way before i even knew brad and uh we had an extremely insane weekend we had three over 50 and they were all on brad's new bait the detonator so i got a hold of greg thomas and greg thomas gave me brad's email i just shot him an email and I was just kind of thanking him for making such a great bait. And I just like to talk to him, you know, well, then they invite me on the podcast. And then after the podcast, Brad said, Hey, Chase, uh, what are you doing right now? And this was in July. I said, well, I've been bass fishing. I'm about ready to shoot myself. I'm pretty bored <laughs> lately. He said, well, why don't you just come up here? And I'm like, why is the owner of musky mayhem want me to come up there and think in my head. So I kind of disregarded it. And then we kicked talking and talking and we talked for like three hours. And then at the end of the phone call, he said, you book your plane ticket yet? And I'm like, uh, are you being serious? And he's like, yeah, dude. He said, book a plane ticket. I'll pick you up. He said, I want to meet you. I'm like, all right, I guess so. So That's I'm like cool. talking to my mom. I'm like, hey, this guy. I was going to uh, say, what do the parents think of this happening at this time? Oh, my dad, he just like. Uh, that's like weird. crazy. Did he, did he ask for any pictures of your feet first or anything like that? Kind <laughs> of <laughs> weird. But, um, so then I'm just talking to mom and you know how that is. Your mom's like, why is my son flying to Minnesota to meet, to meet a man, people? an old man? Yeah. An old man, old, ugly. Oh, well, wow, dude. Uh, <laughs> you better hope Brad doesn't hear this. I hope he does. But <laughs> he, uh, so I fly up there and I end up staying up there all summer. I met tons of dudes up there. I met Donnie. I met Jake and Joe Baddock, those goofballs. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Seifert and all those guys, and I had an absolute blast. And, Real quick, uh, out of Jake and Joe, which one's the better fisherman? Ooh. Oh, wow! Oh, man. Cool. I I can see Jake smiling right now, and I'm <laughs> going to do it. I'm going to say Joe. Ooh. Oh, okay. we'll see what's Ooh. what they have to wow. say. Wow, <laughs> boy! And they better text me and let me know what they think. I want to hear. Oh, they'll let you know how they feel. <laughs> oh, they will. Um. Love those dudes to death. They're they're super fun to fish yeah, with. I think it's a lot better chance of it's a lot better chance that they're gonna hear this than uh Brad Hoppy, I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so anyways I go up there, but I didn't even like when I'm going up there, I don't even know anything about a TV show, right? Had no idea. 
Um, so we're out fishing one night and the first fish I catch is like the third or fourth night being there. I pick this fish up out of the bag and I turn around and Brad's got this camera in my face. And I'm like, what the hell is going on right now? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, talk. And of course, like when someone puts the camera in your face and you're not used to it, you're like, uh, uh, uh. Go forward, <laughs> Bobby. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't yeah, know what I to had do. No idea. I had no idea what to say. So I mumbled something and stuttered <laughs> a bit and let the fish go. I'm like, dude, what was that about? He's like, oh, I'm working on a little, uh, little TV show deal. I'm like, uh, okay. Well, then we start filming together, and I like it and whatnot. And this winter, um, they all came out and stuff. And Brad just looks at me like, okay, dude. Um, he said, you don't have to do this. He said, I just want to kind of get what your idea is. I mean, would you want to work together on this? And, of course, I'm all in, right? Of, of course, dude. Of course I want to do that. So this year, um, he's the host. I'm the co-host. And we filmed – we're still filming. Actually, I'm leaving here in this weekend to fly back up to Minnesota and get some more stuff done. But we filmed um, down here in the south, in the south, and we filmed a lot in Minnesota. Next year, we plan to film a lot more. Um, I will say this: if anyone listening has already watched the episodes last year, we know they were rough. We know the sound was bad, but we wanted to bring content to the musky community because we all know there's really not that much out there. The learning so, experience. It, uh, for sure and brad is editing and all I, I don't know how to do that stuff i just catch fish and smile but that's the thing too like when you're catching fish it, there's not ideal conditions you know mm-hmm. nah. and uh so he's doing all the editing it's all rough i will say this the dude has gotten a lot better at everything um we've gotten a lot better at filming talking more info more informational while still having a really action-packed episode and uh we're really trying to be different with it. We're trying to have um, a lot of fish per episode, uh, no matter what. Um, so that makes it really tough because it's musky fishing. So it could be a challenge to get the number of fish that we're sh- shooting for for each episode, um, which is four to five fish, hopefully. Um, but not all of them are going to have that. How many but- days have you had to wear the same outfit? We do not do that. I probably <laughs> strongly against that. We will admit when fishing sucks. We're we're I'm extremely straightforward with everything and everyone, and Brad is exactly the same way. Uh we've became extremely good friends and I'm very thankful to call him a friend. I mean, we talk at least two to three times a day, probably. So we're both working as hard as we can. We're both busy. He's got a giant bait company. I've got guide service. I'm running around the lake all the time thinking, and we're both trying as hard as we can to uh, keep content put out on Facebook and Instagram. And then this winter we'll come out with the actual episodes. So that's awesome. We were talking it, about pressure earlier. You said you do you feel any pressure with that now. Like you said, you got to catch these fish for, you know, to put out this information. Do you get a little nervous uh, there? Or? Like, you're filming like just say but we did it, we did it to ourselves me and brad are always uh our personalities are almost spot on it's it's super weird um he he definitely is never happy with anything that he does and i'm kind of the same way i'm always striving like if i catch one fish i have to go after another one right i'm that type of guy i'm never satisfied with anything um so our whole lot of fish per episode type thing is kind of a pain in the butt, but we want to be different. We're working as hard as we can to do it. So, yeah, it gets kind of pressuring when you're out there and the fishing's tough and you're on a deadline to, like, we need to get some fish caught. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. 
Yeah. Uh, but we, we do good together. And, uh, like I said, it's all about having fun when you get in those moods, which I get in them all the time. I just have to tell myself, dude, just calm down and have fun. Yeah. You know, Worst case scenario, it. you're fishing. Yeah, exactly. I, I gotta <laughs> ask, I gotta ask this from the last little, uh, mayhem's 10,000 cash trailer. What is the, the, uh, chase Gibson footwear of choice? Is that oh, a, some is boots that, for sure? I, I don't know if this is your feet that I'm looking at right now, but are those hey dudes? What, 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 from, what, what are you looking at over there? Ryan? Look, I'll show you guys. Like I, I literally, who, who wants feet pics now, right? Yeah, yeah that's that's right. Brad send us pictures. Yeah, yeah right those are my hooks. That's weird. Yeah, that's weird, <laughs> dude. Things get weird on this a little bit, though. I'm not gonna lie. Usually, it's Tom that's getting it. Yeah, it wasn't even me this though. time. <laughs> I generally wear Crocs or Sanooks. I kind of mm-hmm. got on the Sanook train this year for whatever reason. Um, those are Sanooks. They're like a slipper type thing. Um, they're pretty comfortable. The traction's awful in them. You will fall down, but they're pretty comfortable. Um, once it gets a little colder, I start wearing those uh, little extra tough boots. Uh, but okay. if right. it's not cold, I can't even stand to wear You got to get the Crocs with the fuzz in them, the slipper Crocs for when it gets cold. I've heard that, actually. Yeah. I, I do need a pair of those. They're not bad. I'd like a dude. I honestly, for, for as many of these little like trailer type videos, like the minute, two minute video you guys have been putting out on Facebook, like the, the shots are killer. Like I love, I love everything you guys are doing with it. Like even just watching a minute video and the shots that you guys kind of pan out to and the, even the angles and stuff you guys are getting, dude, that is honestly like, uh, I promise you this. There's a lot better stuff on the actual episodes. We're not posting. Okay. Anything. All That's right. Cool. Yeah. But what those are, so like I said, we're trying to do like a minimum fish per episode type thing, right? Mm-hmm. Those fish that you're seeing posted, every one of those are not an episode. Those are all fish that we caught oh, and make the cut. That's why yeah. we had that little, on a couple of those videos, we say this fish didn't make the cut. It's not because it's not big enough or it's not because whatever. It's just because it didn't get put into an episode. Mm-hmm. So you we make- just caught too many. it's a good problem you just caught too many i'm gonna binge i'm gonna binge it dude all winter i'm gonna get caught up and i'm gonna get ready for the next the next uh series of videos here because yeah i mean just like this is what we do like guys that you know like you guys are fishing like i'm i'm not i don't even know when i'm gonna fish in november like but i can tell you this like (laughs) if i'm not fishing the creeks in december january and february i'm probably watching youtube videos and i'm probably gonna watch something like this so like yeah. you said, the content, you know, it's, there's a lot of fit. There's a lot of fishing content on YouTube now, but yeah. there's, there's not a lot. a lot of, there's not a lot of musky stuff. Like really like there, there are quality some videos, but quality musky stuff. Like, you know, like the Jim Sarek, the musky hunters, like we talk about this, like Swink and I sitting in his dad's trailer watching like Jim Sarek before a tournament, right? Like that's the vibe I get with this. Just watching the trailers. Like that's exciting to me, dude. Like that's exciting yeah. to you know, guys that, that want that, that want to watch this stuff. Oh, I'm, I'm right there with you. I don't, don't think that I'm any different because I fish every day. I'm, I'm just like you. I watch everything I can. And I, I mean, I watch uh tournament bass fishing all the time and I, I love that stuff. I just love watching that stuff. I mean, who doesn't? Um, that's why we're really striving to, to do extremely well and be different. And although it's going to be super cool angles, cool eats whatnot we are trying to make it even more informational than last year's last year it was more just like cool shots yeah but this year it's 
hoping that it turns out to be a lot more informational and a lot better uh, quality video and sound. And Very next cool. year, and like I said, this year we got a couple episodes from the South and then the rest are pretty much all in Minnesota. Next year, um, we're definitely going to be doing a lot more throughout the entire nation. So it's going to be like Tennessee to Minnesota, wherever through there we'll, we'll go and film. So try to, that way we can connect with guys like you guys, PA guys, or connect with Virginia guys or Ohio guys. Right. So we want to, we want to bring content from people's waters. It's not just seeing a St. Clair video or a Canada video. Cause we all know how that is. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's an amazing fishery, but we can all watch the same thing and you can't put that into your backyard lake. That's 3000. Mm -hmm. There's a huge difference between all these fisheries. I mean, I've, I've fished in the last year and a half, two years, I've fished literally Tennessee waters, PA, Ohio, Iowa, Minnesota, Kentucky, obviously West Virginia. I don't think I'm missing any, but I could be. But I, I've fished all over the place now. And I can tell you this, every single body of water I've been on is completely different. So it, it's really fun. And I, I enjoy that like nothing other. I just love going to somewhere I have absolutely no idea anything about and just fishing. I love that. I'm so. glad you said that because a question I had for you was out. Of, I mean, I think I know I'm going to say you're not allowed to say big fish here as an answer, but out of all the places you've been, what's your favorite part about West Virginia? Do you mean fishing wise? Yeah. Fishing in West Virginia, guiding in West Virginia, other than the freakishly big fish. What's your favorite part about there opposed to, you know, Minnesota and Ohio and all these other places you've had the chance to go already. Tom uh, wants, Tom wants you to justify him not leaving his home county ever <laughs> no i'm saying give me a read sell me tell me why i should come to west virginia why is it the best yeah. place um i would say out of everywhere i've been and everywhere i've been for the size of stonewall it is like the coolest structure wise lake like if no one if you haven't been there i think you should experience musky fishing on something like that before mm -hmm. or at, at some point because the place well, you said you've been there. You know what I'm talking about. It's different, There's, man. It's different than anywhere I've seen. Yeah, it's a 2,800-acre lake, but it is literally the biggest 2,800-acre lake ever because mm. it's like 50 yards wide at the widest. Mm. So it's like super long, super skinny. It's uh, It's got tons and tons of standing timber, and I'm not talking telephone poles. I'm talking full-blown mm -hmm. six trees in 35 foot of water, and they're sticking up 10, 15 feet above your head. And it's that there's that all over the place. And We've got that, we've got deep water, but we've got shallow water. We've got tons of coves. We've got kind of main lake basins. Yeah, you can probably cast across it if you're a really good caster, but it's main lake. Um, it's just a really cool fishery because of how small it is, but actually how big it is. Like you mm -hmm. can't run one into the other in two hours. You can't do it. Like West Branch was 28 to 3,000 acres, if I remember right, and I could run my boat from one end to the other and 35 40 minutes no problem you can't do that at stonewall it's huge mm -hmm. it's uh it's just such an endless field of of structure and it's not just trees it's it's trees it's rocks it's points it's flats it's weed beds it's just a like if i guided anywhere else i honestly think i when you asked me if i got burnt out i guided on at west branch for 20 days and i had an absolute blast there with clients but i'll be honest i got pretty bored of that place because it's just uh i was doing the same thing every day mm -hmm. either weed edge hump open water or a point right 
Stonewall, I go there and I go check a tree, bunch of trees. There's nothing there. Okay, well, maybe I need to check a laydown. So now I go look at a laydown. No, nothing there. Well, maybe they're on Main Lake Points. And like I have all this huge uh, list of structures that go throughout the entire lake. So they're not all right beside each other. So if I catch a fish off a laydown, then I've got 30 laydowns that are within 45 minutes of me on the lake and I just run and jump around the lay downs. That is a blast to me. And that is the only reason I think that I think that I'm doing well on this lake is fishing it every day is because it fish is so big. I have so much room to go play around with and I have to think constantly. If I don't have to think constantly and I don't have room to run around and go try new things, then, then I get bored pretty quickly. Um, to be honest. And I don't want that to sound bad. It just, that's just how oh, my brain is. That's really uh, cool. It's, it's beautiful. Cool. You're, you're saying these things about Stonewall. I know going there for the first time I got there for like the sunrise and all the fog down there in the valley with those stumps. and the, It's like something oh, yeah. out of a book, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Past past two mornings, it's been beautiful. Bluebird skies have been awful, but the, the fog in the morning has been gorgeous. That's, I've yeah. never seen a lake like that for sure. Yeah. It's well, just, Chase, you just it, sold me. I can tell you that. I guess I'm going to have to book my trip because uh, I've <laughs> I'm I'm like you. I like to travel to different places to try and catch muskies. I've been to a number of different states. I've done Canada a couple times, but I haven't yeah. checked West Virginia off the list yet. I've never muskie fished there, so uh, I'm going to have to get down there and do this. I've only yeah. been begging him for two years, Chase. It only took you coming on to convince him to go. <laughs> yeah, I, well, yeah, I trust Chase a little more than you. <laughs> <laughs> Come on down. I'd be happy to. I gotta, I gotta ask this question too, because I love West Virginia. The only thing I don't like about West Virginia is I'm a pit fan, and the Mountaineers. You know, that's that's something that doesn't really go hand in hand right there. But I will say, like, I I love West Virginia. My company's got offices down in Charleston and, and Bridgeport, and you know, I, I spend a lot of time down there. So I I haven't I haven't seen you know I've driven by Stonewall and some of these other lakes like on the way down to places, but I haven't, I haven't fished down there at all. So I'm, I don't know, like I said before, I just feel weird. Like I, I, I would love to be able to contribute to the fishery, you know, and if there was a way to be able to do that, I'd probably feel a little better myself just coming down there. And it's not like I'm going to catch anything anyway, where I'm at, but you never know. Maybe, maybe I'll bump a sub here and there. Oh yeah. You catch fish. No one. I mean, I, it doesn't matter who you are. You come to the lake, you fish a lake different than all local guys. You catch fish. That's just how it is. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, and like, I, I honestly, before I started doing all this traveling, I didn't realize how special of a place I had, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. like I, I was so used to it. I thought everywhere was like this. And then I go to Ohio and, or I go to, uh, Iowa or Minnesota and it's just, everything is so different. And then I, then I come back home and like, man, you know what I have, I am so lucky to have this place in my backyard and to be able to fish this place every day. It's just so fun. Um, everywhere has got its unique little thing. That's cool. Um, but I honestly, I will always love this lake no matter what it'll be in my heart forever for sure. So no matter what. Do you see yourself staying there then? Or do you see yourself possibly making a move in the future to some bigger water or? Uh, near future. Not sure. Um, as to be right determined. Yeah. To be determined for sure. Um, I definitely want to travel. Obviously I want to do, uh, well, what I'm doing right now is I'm doing March through, uh, beginning of June here. And then I'm going to West branch for, three weeks depending um th this year i did about 
I did 20 days, however long that is, two and a half weeks. And then I left there and I went to Minnesota and I stay in Minnesota till the first week of October. And now I'm home till the end of December. Next year's schedule will probably be pretty similar. Um, the only difference might be I might skip out on Ohio and go straight to to uh, Minnesota, but I never know. But I'll let my people know that when it comes. I'm I'm a ball in the air or a fart in the wind, as my grandma would say. There you go. <laughs> Do you That's feel a- like burning a couch gets you musky mojo? Ooh. West Virginia tradition. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, it probably could. <laughs> did you burn one after catching the record? Uh, I did not. I celebrated <laughs> other ways. There you go. <laughs> no, I'm sure. Nice. That's awesome, dude. But, oh, dude, I can't. I mean, I've I probably have a million questions for you, Chase, but I don't want to. I don't want to keep you on the phone all night talking about you know. What's the uh, the boat snack of Chase Gibson? You know stuff like that. Quick one. What's that? That's nothing. I don't bring anything. That's what Booker any. said. Booker yeah. said the same thing, man. He doesn't yeah. eat on I, the boat. Uh, I very rarely eat. I keep a. I usually my my guide diet is probably not good, and I probably need to change it. But it's usually a big twist top white monster. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> a cup of waters and then i'll get a bag of jerky and that jerky will last me probably three or four days protein perfect yeah, yeah. That's, all I eat. that's the only boat snacks i have i will Bare say I, I am a fan of the white monster that's only because it's sugar-free and i got you know i got the box from the wolf of brimley so i gotta <laughs> i gotta watch the sugar and the carbs so yeah. i got i actually have to eat on the boat like continuously to keep the sugar you get a little wobbly if he doesn't eat yeah, well, yeah. I'm wobbly in general, but it gets a little wobblier. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought it would be cool. I heard a story if we if we're wrapping it up, kind of. Yeah. I heard a story a while back. It might have been on Backlash or something, but it was about Chase. And we're hearing all this negative stuff nowadays with like the cheating scandals and all that. And I, it was such a positive story I heard about him. And I'm probably going to butcher it and you can correct me, Chase, but I heard that you caught like a buzzer beater fish. And you didn't enter it because you didn't catch it fair. You're like, nope, not doing it. And nobody. Uh, yeah. 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 I, uh, that was last year in uh, the figure eight May tournament. So he came out with this new tournament trail or a new tournament. And it was supposed to be a $15,000 first place tournament. So it was, a, it was the biggest money tournament that he mm-hmm. had. Um, he didn't get the boats that he needed to have that payout, but it was still the biggest payout that he had had. Um, I don't remember the whole number wise, but we, we ended up in second. Uh, my buddy Joey got first and I think we were like one fish behind him, maybe two. Um, but probably 30 minutes to the end of the last day, I pulled into the spot where, uh, where I had seen this big fish all weekend. Mm-hmm. I was marking it. It was sitting in the tree. I marked it on side ends in the first day and then I backed up and, could see it easily with live scope just chilling there just big old fish and she would not move and and that is something i will say too quickly um on live scope there's a big problem with people when they see one they sit there and they sit there for hours jigging on their head please do not do that that's not <laughs> that fish will never eat that bait you need to leave it alone and uh sidetracked there sorry but that's <laughs> I seen it. She wouldn't eat. I moved on. I remember where she was. So I come back in there for a final, uh, I don't know, a Hail Mary, if you will. And I pull in there and I start jigging. My buddy's jigging up front. I'm jigging in the back. And I'm jigging a bait that I was making last year. Um, 
And she wouldn't move on anything all weekend. I mean, we fished her probably two or three times, but she would not move. And I pulled in there this time and I put on that goofy, stupid looking bait that I made and uh, dropped it down there. And she actually moved out of the tree and I watched her on live scope just come up at like a 45 degree angle, nose on the bait, and I'm jigging. And then she just kind of got lazy and just kept swimming. And when she did that, my back, my jig hit her back. I saw that. And when it hit her back, she kind of took off and my hooks dug in her. Mm-hmm. So she was snagged and uh, it was a 51 inch fish is what it ended up being. And uh, I just ended up not counting it. I mean, I, 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 if, if I didn't have live scope and staring at the screen and seen her that she did not try to eat it, and I would have been jigging back in the day. I would have said she probably swiped it or something because I wouldn't have known. Probably would have uh, probably would have counted her, but I don't know. I just didn't feel right counting that fish when I watched her intentionally not eat the bait, and I accidentally snagged her. It wasn't intentional snagger, obviously, but hmm. I just she, thought that uh, was yeah. It was it was cool. I mean, I didn't think anything of it, but I thought everyone else would do the same, which I think they will. Hopefully, I think that's so. a cool. St- I think that speaks yeah. to your character. That's a cool story to hear nowadays with all the bullshit going on. And oh yeah, yeah man, I think I you think should be commended for that, and more people I, should be like that. I agree with yeah. Tom on that one for sure, hundred percent. Yep, uh, I don't, uh, I don't like, uh, <laughs> I don't like when people lie about numbers and size and stuff like that. And that's why, back to our conversation earlier, I just try to stay out of everything. I don't care. Mm-hmm. People ask, I tell them. But as far as that, I don't post much. And if I do, it's just for, for my guide service. But yep, well, it's good, too man. Much of it out there. there, there is. But you know, we need we need guys like like you you know, out there and, and doing this stuff and, you know, kind of setting an example too. And, and, you know, anytime you're guiding, even though you're a young guy, you know, think about this, dude, you're, you're catching fish, you're out there on the water. I always talk about this too. Like there's young kids out there that want to get into sport of musky fishing and they look at you, Chase, and they think, you know, I want to be like Chase, Chase Gibson, you know, and I don't know if you hear that stuff, but it's, it's real. You know, I've seen it countless times. And, and I think it's important to have guys that, you know, are like you out there and, and guys that are fighting for muskies and the sport of muskie fishing and doing, you know, doing things the right way. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing to see. And it's in a good, it's a good example for you to set. So, you know, guys yeah. like us appreciate that, man, we really do. And, you know, whether it's you taking the time to come on this podcast with us and just kind of shoot, you know, shoot it for for an hour and a half, two hours. Like we really appreciate you doing that and, and talking about musky fishing. So thank you yeah. very much for taking the time to do that with us tonight. Thanks, man. Yeah. I love, Great love talking. Yeah. I want to be like Chase Gibson. <laughs> when Donnie grows up. <laughs> when he grows up. Like I, I want to catch fish and just have fun. Yeah. But, you know, that's hearing the perspective. It helps, you know, definitely helps. So mm-hmm. thank you very much. No problem. Yeah. And we'll see you at musky max. Maybe. Yeah, I should be at pretty much all of them again this year. Nice. All right. Well, I'm 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 gonna try. I just I just bought a boat last weekend, so I'm trying not to spend money this year. We're, we're gonna see how show season does for me, but uh-huh. I may or may not be out to Ohio and New York. We'll see how that's, it goes. That's the lie. All musky fishermen. They'll just be know, buying boat stuff instead of lures this time. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've got money at the shows. There's no oh, you. Yeah, but dude, it's come on now. Like you know, like if you Let's put me, real. you put me in that scenario, <laughs> it's like temptation. It's like don't put yourself in that scenario, or else you're just gonna be screwed. And we yeah, all I know, have like no self control. Come on, I have none. I have no self control when it comes to baits <laughs> at all. Like I'm gonna go to yeah. Max, and I'm gonna. It's gonna be bad. 
but I'm the same way. I mean, I, I worked at those booths for the first time ever. Obviously, I only ever went to them. I very rarely went to musky shows. And then now I'm working at the musky show. And I just remembered, I remember uh, there it's PA show at the end of the day, too. I'm looking behind my booth and my little uh, desk thing that I had made up. And I've got baits just scattered through the bottom of it. I'm like, wow, this probably wasn't the best idea. <laughs> <laughs> Came as a buyer. It's yeah. good to know that you go through that stuff too, though. You know, oh, yeah. good. I've got tons and tons of stuff. I mean, I, I literally, Jeff Whitman should be paying me because I, I probably buy, I probably order off him at least once every two weeks. And I don't know why. <laughs> Does he still write you a note? Oh, yeah. He writes me a note. Good. I get a, I get the actually a lipstick thing from him, not his oh. wife. This <laughs> <laughs> is seals the envelope. Yeah. No, Jeff, Jeff's an awesome dude, and I've always ordered off of him, but it's just, I, I don't even want to know. I don't know if he could tell me, but I don't even want to know how much money I've spent in his store. I think <laughs> if you I think if you log into your account online, if you do, if you have an account with them, there's a historical record of your purchases, and I know this because I inadvertently found that recently. I am. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Is that for real? I yeah, gotta dude. find a way to torch that. Yeah. That's, that's dangerous. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I, uh, it's not good. <laughs> but. All right, all right, guys. Well, we can wrap this one up. Chase, thanks again for jumping on with us. Yeah, thanks for great chat with you. No problem. Have me on uh, again. I'll do it. No problem. We'll have to oh, get yeah. you at a head-to-head debate with the Baddocks. Oh, I, oh, yeah. I, think, oh, I think that one should be like a Facebook Live though at a Muskie show. That way, I can wrestle Jake. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll release the video with that one. We're gonna yeah. make this happen. So, yeah, Joe right. can be the referee, and then I'll just me and uh, Jake Russell. Right, Act okay. like it's a formal interview, and then you just spear him off the stage. WWE kind of. Yeah, I like we it. Could, we could do that. Make <laughs> it happen. We're gonna make this happen for sure. <laughs> All right, boys. All right, guys. Fun. Thanks again, Chase. Yep, no problem. Thanks, Good luck Chase. out there. All right. See you guys.